Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. On today's show, one of the fastest growing concepts in what's known as the better burger category. BurgerFi just went public, signed a deal to expand into the Middle East, and they're helping to redefine in-location dining, delivery, ghost kitchens, and more. It is a fascinating look into a changing food service model. We're talking to Julio Ramirez, CEO of BurgerFi, back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. My name is David Averin, and you know I, I have this great privilege as I do this podcast to talk to some creative leaders. We talk about customer experience. There's various aspects of business, what drives business, but what we've really come to learn is that how people feel about doing business with you influences how they buy from you, whether they buy from you, when they buy from you. And so what I want to do is, is interview people. And we're talking to a lot of people who are giving us sort of a creative view of how they see the marketplace, what's happened during COVID-19, uh, what has changed before. And so many are, are tied to legacy brands. And you've got sort of a dual challenge. One is recognizing what's different, what's changed, but you're also dealing with um, preset systems and processes and, and legacy technology and people and mindset, which creates a whole different challenge. So what's really exciting for me sometimes is I have an opportunity to talk to people who are in emerging brands and emerging companies. And oftentimes those who started, what do they say? What got you here won't get you there. Uh, it, it takes bringing in people who have some industry perspective, but with a great vision to take that new brand, I wouldn't necessarily call it fledgling, because I think oftentimes that has a negative connotation, but to take it to a different place. And so I'm really excited today to talk to Julio Ramirez. Julio Ramirez has a, had a 26-year career with Burger King. He's been an adjunct, adjunct professor uh, in Florida for uh, international business. He has consulted with some of the, the biggest brands and Dunkin' brands. He opened up restaurants across Brazil, Mexico, and others. I'm going to let him give you more of that background. But what's really exciting is that Julio has recently been named the CEO of BurgerFi. Now, if you're in the Southeast US, you probably have a greater understanding what it is. If you were in the rest of the country, you will because some of the top nation's restaurant news and QSR and others have talked about this exciting brand, which you would look at from a category perspective, is more of a fast casual, but in the subcategory, and Hulu, you got to tell me if I get this right, uh, what they consider the better burger segment of fast casual. So you might look at at um, Five Guys and Smash Burger and things like that. So right. Burger Fi. Uh, with burger with an FI, uh, and I guess we'll ask Julio what, what all that means, is, um, is an exciting new brand, but they've got a really cool vision for how they're going to deliver in the future. So a long introduction. Welcome, Julio, to the show today. Thank you, Dave, very much. Very excited to be here. Very excited to be here. Good. So tell me a little bit. So you, as of the recording of this podcast, whether yeah. you're watching this video on my site or on YouTube or others or listening to the audio version on various platforms, you've been on the job for four weeks. Yeah. So just, complete, uh, just completed my fourth week. There you go. So, uh, so how are things going? Fantastic. I'm very energized. Um, 
the uh, the company's headquartered in beautiful North Palm Beach, Florida, which is a, a great area. Of Good place South to be. South Florida, absolutely. And uh, I actually live in Coral Gables, Florida, but uh, this is my new home. I've been, uh, I can either commute or stay nearby, but this is very close. And, it's uh, a nice thing to be. So, so tell me what attracted you. You have a long career in, yeah. like I said, 26 plus years with Burger yeah. King, with uh, working with others. What attracted you to this opportunity? What have you found sort of from a legacy perspective and where are the opportunities? That's a great question. And I think you pointed out that, uh, you know, I spent 26 years at Burger King and 16 years as an executive. And I had a chance to run many different parts of Burger King, both on the domestic franchise side in the U.S., as well as the president of Latin America, opened Burger King in over 10 countries, competed very successfully against McDonald's, surpassed them in half the countries. However, when I left Burger King in, in 2012, the only job I never had at Burger King is I never ran the whole company. So I ran large divisions of it, both domestically and internationally. But frankly, when I left and most of the entire executive, in fact, the entire executive team and several layers below that left when 3G bought us. And at that point, you know, I, I had a two year uh, severance. I went away and I reinvented myself in many different ways. But I always wanted, I remember telling my wife, someday I would like to run a smaller burger business that I can grow and put my stamp on it as a leader and build a team and achieve great results. And, you know, God made me a humbler man after 10 years, but I finally got, I finally got the opportunity and I'm very excited to, to be here. I couldn't, I couldn't have made up a better brand to work on than Burger Fi. So. Yeah. But, but let me ask you a question is I look at the dates for when you served your time at Burger yeah. King yeah. Um, and I've always been a big fan. There was one outside my high school. So I was probably there twice a day, every day for my entire yeah. high school experience. Um, there were a lot of different ownership groups during that time, weren't there? Yes, absolutely. In my lifetime alone, five, I, I worked for five different owners, as different as Pillsbury, which was when I joined the company as a marketing manager, actually had a restaurant division that included brands that you probably don't remember, like uh, uh, Bennigan's and, and a few others. Of that course. Some are, some are around, yeah. some are not. Uh, and then we were sold to Grand Metropolitan, which was a British company. It was a leveraged buyout. They became Diageo. You may have heard of them. Big liquor company. They produced Johnny Walker and Smirnoff and other stuff. Not too much to do with fast food, but they owned us for a while. Then they sold to Bain Capital, Goldman Sachs, and TPG, Texas Pacific. Uh, so I did that. Then we went public. I participated in that in the New York Stock Exchange. I was close to the guy that rang the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. And then finally, 3G, uh, the, the last owners who bought us uh, back in uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, probably. So you, and, so you uh, learned a lot during all of that about all of the operational aspects, right? We, we see a lot of companies where people, what's the old management by walking around? You got to learn yes. the different aspects. Yeah. You've actually yeah. done it. So you sort of yeah. worked your way up through the, through the industry. Sure. But the industry is different today. And how yeah. we buy as customers and what we're yeah. looking for in terms of access and convenience and choices and those who are looking for natural or vegan, or my wife is very gluten-free. Yeah. What did that do to prepare you yeah. for BurgerFi? And what's the vision there? Well, first of all, the, what, what was frankly a bit mercenary, all, those, all the changing leadership and culture and ownership, yeah. it, it was a very mercenary organization. And somehow I thrived in that environment. But the positive of that is you learn to work from many different styles. I personally reported to seven different CEOs, and very, very different in style. Some were people that have been in the burger business forever, some not. But you learn from all those. You learn from the good ones. You learn from the not so good. In fact, I think you learn more from the not so good on what not to do. I think most you know, would I think agree. That, I yeah. Think, 
So I think that really prepared me for, for the business in many different ways. And, and uh, frankly, even my time after Burger King prepared me for this because I also owned, along with some other people, I owned a small fast casual chain called Giardino Gourmet Salads, which is a South Florida-based salad chain. And uh, I remember a very wise franchisee of Burger King once told me, Julio, you're a big corporate big shot, but until you own a few stores, you don't really know anything. And you know what? He, that, he's absolutely right. You learn a lot when you own your own business. And so I think BurgerFi is getting a better executive today, not only because of my Burger King years, but also the years where I had to reinvent myself as a professor, as a consultant, and as an owner of a small brand and a, and a real startup of you know eight stores when we bought it. I've since sold that. But again, I'm a better executive today having gone through all those experiences because to your point, the fast casual industry didn't even exist when I worked in most of Burger King. It's a relatively new industry and one that, uh, and one frankly has great learnings for us, both in the, in the use of digital and online ordering and, and many other things, which I'll be happy to talk about as we get into the interview. But, but that's, and that's what I want to talk about. So talk to us about the, the change in model. We certainly know the traditional fast food, the QSR, yeah. uh, drive-through, I mean, it was drive-in when I was young. I'm, I'm, right. we're, we're boomers, right? Yeah. With the yeah. A&W, which Sonic is sort of, but then it's sort of the drive-through. But but the fast casual has yeah. been more, let's take that, that model and let's turn it into a sit-down restaurant. Yeah. But at the same time, what has happened during COVID-19 clearly has accelerated what has long been prognosticated about how we are going to engage with businesses, how they are going to accommodate and serve. Talk to me about the BurgerFi model. What is, what's the physical model? What's the, the, the business structure? And what's the vision? What are you bringing to the company? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, BurgerFi, just to get a little bit into the model, and then I'll get into this. Well, give me the name first. Define yeah. it. Clearly, it's not yeah, it's like, very, it's very like simple. Marines. Frankly, when I first heard it, I thought it had something to do. Maybe the founder was in the Marines or something, but right. but it's not. It has to do with the burgification of the brand. In other words, uh, to really redefine the way the, the world eats its burgers and where it eats its burgers for today's consumer. And today's consumer, frankly, uh, and I consider myself at, at, at a, a ripe uh, young age of 66, I grew up, a lot of people forget that even at my age, we grew up on fast food. Fast food wasn't our parents' meal, but it's our meal. Yeah. BurgerFi give, Burger gives us permission to eat an even better version of fast food because it's great tasting food and yet better for you. And that's why they call it the better burger category. In fact, the uh, Chain Reaction, which is an organization that rates hamburgers, has rated only two companies as having an A in the quality of burgers. BurgerFi is front and center because they're grass-fed and grain-finished, no antibiotics, no chemicals, no steroids, no additives. You couldn't eat a better burger and it's still a burger. And more importantly, it tastes great because if it didn't taste good, it didn't matter if it had all the other stuff. Right, right. It's great tasting food. I personally love it. I love the one that we actually can take a burger and put it in three uh, pieces of lettuce. And it's a great no carb you know, burger. We call it green, green style. And that's been a great that's been a great product. For me we personally. just call that we call that keto. <laughs> keto I'm on that keto binge there, and, there and you no go. carbs. So so it's a great thing. But anyway, to specifically to your business, I think the biggest change and COVID just made it even faster. And by the way, we were already doing online ordering in our in our business. We do not have right. a drive through. We do not have a drive through, but we are opening our first drive through literally in three or four weeks. We're close to getting that done because COVID taught us that you need to be accessible to consumer in many different ways. Uh, people like young people like ordering online. It just makes the process faster. Our business from the month of March 
to today went from about 28%, uh, 25%, 28% digital to about 64% digital, meaning online versions of what we have. You know, some people call online and pick it up. Some people have online and use a third-party distributor to take the food to you, like Uber Eats or whatever. And uh, frankly, we've been very good at it. BurgerFi was ahead of its time. We had a loyalty app five, four years ago. We've, we're in our second loyalty app. Those are things that the fast casual chains, in many cases, did even before the major fast food chains. I think fast casual chains were more, were more nimble. We're not as big. There's less bureaucracy. And frankly, adopted a lot of the technology that's required today to compete in the business. Well, you're seeing a lot of people scrambling to catch up or, or quickly align themselves with the DoorDashes or Uber Eats or others as well. Correct. As I've been looking, you've been doing this for some time, but what do you, when you look at how fast the shift has happened and some of yeah. it clearly driven by the reluctance to come in store or yeah. the, re, the restrictions, the compliance restrictions, right, yeah. in terms of, of distance. But what does this portend for the future? How much yeah. of this do you think is going to shift the pendulum swing back? Or yeah. is the in-dining just going to grow and the, the digital aspect, that convenience, whether yeah. it's curbside pickup or delivery, how much of that is going to stay? Yeah. I mean, have we learned yeah. that we can do this better or different? It's a great, no, it's a great question. We've learned a lot. We're going to pilot a lot of different things. I think that I think that COVID accelerated things we were working on anyway. It just made us work on stuff faster. And I think, and you know this, I think there's a lot of stuff after COVID whenever, whenever that ends. I mean, this thing could go right. longer than any of us think, but whenever it ends, I think there's certain things that are going to be with us for a long, long time, meaning the online stuff, the curbside pickup. However, having said that, I will tell you, one of the most pleasant surprises about BurgerFi was me was what a pleasant environment and, a, and a, you know, we used to talk at, at my previous company, we used to talk about taking baby steps in the sustainability field, things like as simple as why don't we add a, a juice to a kid's meal? I mean, it wasn't really dramatic stuff. Right. BurgerFi, on the, BurgerFi, on the other hand, has built a restaurant that has, you know, chairs that are made of recycled Coca-Cola bottles. Uh, we use Dade County number two pine wood, um, which has a faster growth life. So it's, it's better for the planet that we live on. Uh, I mean, there's about 10 different things. I, I frankly, I haven't been here long enough to know them all off the top of my head, but I can assure you, it seems like everything inside the restaurant has a sustainable piece to it. And that absolutely gets me juiced up. And it's, a, by the way, it's a very pleasant environment. You can actually yeah. have, you can actually take a date to a burger fight. You know, I'm not it's sure. It's a great, a great looking. Um, uh, Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. For as a unit. But let me ask you this. So as yeah. you're taking over and you're yeah. putting your stamp on things, yeah. there is a balancing act though, isn't there? There's a yeah. balancing act between those who really care about the sustainability aspect and yeah. those who, who don't. It's just not their right. issue. It's not that they're anti-sustainable. It's right. just not it's their just issue. Not top of mind. That's not, not a mind. that's not a, a draw for them, but for others it is. Yes. How do you also balance creating, which is really a really nice contemporary internal yeah. environment for the dine-in, yeah. with this big trend towards, I mean, from even from a branding perspective is very, yeah. you know, I, I spent the first 20 years of my career in, in marketing and branding yeah. and before I came to recognize that how we're experiencing businesses is, is even a, a greater driver. Yeah. But how do you define yourself when you have to be many things to different people based on what it is they're looking for? I mean, I think one of the advantages of the whole, of the whole digital, the ability to, to market with digital tools and assets is that you can you can market to the restaurant level. You can market to specific customers very different than when I started marketing 25 years ago, where you were printing stuff and using videos and you know, and it was really tough to to customize a message. I think now 
We have multiple messages going on at the same time. By the way, you have to also have good old, what I call good old quality service and cleanliness. I mean, there's, right. there's, consumers, there's consumers that are maybe my age, young or even older that want to eat better, but they don't know all the, they don't know all the tools, all the loyalty apps, all the, you know, the online stuff. They just want to, you know, walk in, order our great tasting food and enjoy it, enjoy in a pleasant atmosphere or take it to go. And, and I have to tell you that I hate, you know, I don't want to keep going back to it, but one of the great things about BurgerFi is the, the, uh, how, how would I say it? The handcrafted, you know, people, a lot of people use the buzzword chef inspired handcrafted. Guess right. what? We actually are chef inspired and handcrafted. We have a great chef, Chef Paul, who works with us. Frankly, at Burger King, we had an army of people working on, on R&D. But Chef Paul and his, you know, a man and a dog team have come up with some amazing, some amazing uh, food over the years. The other day, he sent me a whole arsenal of all the stuff they've done in the past. So we have really amazing quality food. And there's about 50. I had somebody make a list of all the handcrafted stuff that we do. I'll give you one example so you see what I mean. Because I think that's what separates BurgerFi from even Shake Shack and some of the others. For example, our onion rings. We use only Spanish colossal onions. I mean, they're literally this big. We chop off the ends, cut them up, and, the, and, and some of that is used for some of our sauces. But the actual onions themselves, we slice the onion, remove the membrane so that every onion ring looks like a bracelet. I mean, it's, it's super impressive. We then put it in a special uh, flour that's seasoned, and then we hold it until it's ordered, and we only cook it to order. Those are the best onion rings you will ever have. I will, I will challenge anybody to find a better I'll tell onion. Julio, you are 44 weeks in and you are a true company man already <laughs> at the outset. Let well, me ask a little bit about, about the model as it pertains to the experience and the options. Because I, I sort of equate the two. So yeah. much of what we're looking for today is what, what options do we have for those yeah. who might be in a hurry, those who are working from home, those yeah. who might come in and want to do, as you said, a date or something else. So yeah. one of the things I found interesting is I was doing some research on the company yeah. is some of the, the new partnerships. Uh, not everybody may be familiar with the term ghost kitchen. kitchen. Right, it might right. be neighborhood kitchen. Sure, It's not even just delivery, yeah. partnering with the DoorDash and, and yeah. some of those as well, yeah. but you're actually creating physical locations, yeah. contracting where there's not even walk-up service. Yeah. It's yeah. literally Very an off-site burger-fi kitchen to, yes. and, and, and what's the idea there? Is it to, to afford you a well, greater it, level of proximity? Well, as you well know, in places like New York, I mean, frankly, Miami, Florida, and, and other cities, even you know, places like Portland, et cetera, uh, markets that we're not currently in, in Chicago, big cities, sometimes real estate, as you know, can be tremendously expensive. That's one of the big challenges, I think. Frankly, with COVID, many restaurants aren't surviving because they can't afford rent. Right. So, before I got here, I can't take credit for it, although I certainly have warmed over to the idea. The term ghost kitchen, and we, we use several formats, but it gives you permission to, because of the digital space, it gives us permission to have our brand in the market without a physical business. As long as people can look us up on the internet uh, and, and look at our menu, we can deliver it out of a, think of a, I call it the 007 secret weapons lab. You know, it's a place that nobody knows where it is, but we'll get you the food in a reasonable amount of time. And it's the same food because we train the people that work in the kitchen. Now they have other brands and we have exclusivity uh, in our, at least we attempt to have exclusivity in our products. So we might be the only burger in the ghost kitchen. The ghost kitchen may serve other products and other brands, but it doesn't matter. The consumer's looking up BurgerFi 
he doesn't care where it's made as long as it's delivered and put on his plate in, in a reasonable amount of time. And right. it's been a great surprise. And we're experimenting various formats with it. I, and, and that's the exciting thing for me. And I think for, for some of the business owners who are our listeners and, and viewers as well, is what are some of the creative ways that we can use existing um, infrastructure, uh, maybe maybe technology to deliver what you do in a way that is aligned with how we want to buy. Now, how much of that do you think is driven by our need for distance and how much of it do you think really is the wave of the future? I mean, you can geographically around a city, you know, put now, now when you say ghost kitchens, are they, are they food trucks or are they? No, I mean, they could be. To be honest with you, you, and and I've scheduled my first visit to go see one. I know this one is not necessarily a food truck. Think of it, think of it exactly that, a kitchen that's not visible (laughs) to the consumer and it can be in a food truck or it can be in, a, in just a, a warehouse space. Reef Kit, we've partnered with Reef Kitchen. Reef Kitchens has kitchens in a variety of cities. We've opened a few in Miami. We've opened in Austin, Texas. We've opened in the West Coast. And we've got a few more that we're testing. And we're really exploring what that sales impact would be. Frankly, I, I believe that our brand is, has such a good looking image. I think there's always going to be a place for a brick and mortar, particularly when you have a great sure. dining experience. But it kind of complements that. It's just another way of frankly, building some revenue and, and that can be good for our company. And, and uh, I think this environment that we're in has allowed us to play in a lot of things that perhaps wouldn't have happened so quick. Uh, and so that's just one example of many, many things that we're trying to do. The other one being the whole online business. And by the way, the drive through that we're doing, we're actually the first better burger chain. And I'm not talking about five guys, obviously five guys was open many, many years ago. And that's right. You know, and but we're talking about in our category of the what I said, the best rated rated burgers ourselves and call it the Shake Shack burger fi category, if you will. But there are others out there uh, regionally. You know, you may have heard of the habit, whatever. We're the first one of that category to have a drive through open up. So we're very excited about having one open in Hamburg, Kentucky. It's a suburb. We already operate in that market. We have a great franchise group that's going to be opening that. And we're working hand in hand with them to study exactly how we work in our drive through. By the way. We will have some learnings from that because since our food is handcrafted, we're not checkers. We're not, uh, we're not rallies burgers. We're not trying to get you the food in three minutes. So it'll take a little bit longer. So we're going to probably have a few lanes where if somebody orders a big party order, you know, you may have to wait seven minutes, but you're going to have the best tasting handcrafted food ever made. Uh, and we'll have a place for you to park and we'll bring it out to you. So we're, we're getting real creative so with how we use me, the drive. But talk to me about, about analytics. Yeah. about the learning, because you brought that up. And I think it's a really important part of it, because I think yeah. there's an opportunity now, we can have a vision for what we want to do, we can have a, yeah. a fairly educated expectation in terms of what our customers want. But yeah. at some point, we have to test that we yeah. can say they want a better burger, and yeah. whether they're willing to wait six minutes for it or five minutes to it for it, you never know, right. Yeah. But tell me about some of the analytics, because the other thing is, I look at sort of the ghost kitchen, the, uh, the yeah. neighborhood kitchen concept, does that also afford you an opportunity to test areas for demand yeah. as a precursor to potential physical units, whether they be company-owned or franchisee? Absolutely. And one, again, it's early, it's early days. We still have to look, get into the consumer. There's a lot of consumer insights yet to be done, but that's exactly right. Because one of the things we're finding is sometimes when you open in an area, even if you're a ghost kitchen, if you open an area where you don't have the brick and mortar, People don't necessarily people don't necessarily have the top of mind to look you up, and so it, and so it, we have to pop up in their system so they can see it. But there's nothing like actually seeing the building and trying the product first, sure. you know. So 
it is something we need to try and test and see if we do better in a reef kitchen in an area where we have many restaurants or one where we have no restaurants at all. We're in very, very early days because we've only opened a couple recently. So we don't really know. I think you're asking the question that needs to be asked is which is the better environment to do it in? And also we need to know the, the impact to our existing franchisees that have invested in our business. We want to make sure that, uh, that we don't impact their sales if they have a restaurant near the reef kitchen. We will take, right. we are great. We're very supportive of our franchisees and we will work together with them to make sure, by the way, it's a product that we could possibly offer them as well to, to build their brand. We're right. always trying to make our franchisees more profitable. So However, you, very you, simplistically you, speaking, yeah. our sales are actually pretty decent. In other words, they're higher than most fast food. So I think, I think uh, directionally speaking, I think we're doing a good thing in, 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 in the products we're offering and where we're offering them. So. Yeah. So give me, give me an idea of the model um, yeah. in terms of company owner franchise and what's the expansion yeah. plans? Sure. First of all, still working on the plan. Let's, let's be you know, up front. I'm in my fourth week, but I will tell you this. We lead the better burger industry. We lead, we dominate the state of Florida. We're a South Florida based chain. It started in Lauderdale by the sea. We have a lot of restaurants in Palm Beach County and in Fort Lauderdale and Broward County and in Dade County. We're strong in Central Florida. So our goal really is to kind of, this is kind of a ground war, right? There's other chains out there that perhaps have opened in, and I don't know this for a fact, but some have opened in Hong Kong and in, you know, Las Vegas and key cities like that. We really believe one of the reasons I think they brought me in is I have experience in franchising and growing and adjoining markets. And so think of this as a long ground war, you know, kind of like a uh, if you're familiar with Publix Grocery Store or SunTrust Bank. Sure. You know, we started, you know, we're, we're working our way in Florida. We've opened in Georgia. We actually have four other states in the south where we are the the premier leader in the in the better burger category. And so our goal is to kind of consolidate grow. And yes, we'll look at some opportunities in other areas, but our goal is really to kind of work our way up the East Coast. We already have restaurants in the mid-Atlantic region and the Northeast, and we'll work and build off of those areas and, and, and fill them in, if you will, in other key markets. So we're looking at cities like Savannah and Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh and Nashville. We already operate. We want to grow that some more. And we'll do a fair balance of company and franchise. Right now, we're close to 125 locations, 25 are company owned, which is, by the way, a pretty good presence. Yeah. There are some there are some there are some brands out there that uh, that have uh, franchise only. They might have one or two company stores. We believe that having skin in the game makes us a better franchisor. Franchisees look at you with more respect. You can train your you can train the franchisees closer to where they are. For example, if we open company restaurants in Atlanta, you can bring people in from the Carolinas or Tennessee or Kentucky and help train instead of having to bring people to South Florida. So I think that there, there's just so many benefits to, to having company restaurants in a variety of markets. And that's really our goal. Not, we don't just want to have company in South Florida. You know, sure. We, talk you to know. me real quickly. And I, I sort of want to talk a little bit about, about the crystal ball for the future. Yeah. Your his, history with, with other brands throughout yeah. Central America, South America, 26 years with Burger King. Yeah. What's different about the customer today? And, and we can certainly look at, at what's happened during COVID for whenever somebody's listening or watching, watching this podcast. But there have been some significant changes in terms of our behavior, but also our expectations. What's yeah. BurgerFi's vision to be able to accommodate all of those different models? What does the next 12 to 18 months look like? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I've hit on some of the highlights, but I guess what I would tell you is we really believe we can, even beyond the next year, I think in the next couple of years, I think we can double and even triple our business, focusing on both company-owned franchise growth 
but also growing with some no the novel things that we're doing, like the reef kitchens, the ghost kitchens, not only reef kitchen, other ones that we're piloting with as well is an opportunity. I think the online ability allows us to service the consumer in all the ways that we need to. Some people want to have the food brought out to them at curbside. Some want to order online and come eat inside. Some want to go through a drive-through. I think the drive-through piece, we haven't spent a lot of time on it, but the drive-through piece could really be not a not, surprise is the wrong word because I think we know that during COVID, many of the chains with drive-throughs have done very well. They outperform. Well, yeah. If you think about if you think about the next industry of uh, the next uh, category of casual dining, people like Fridays, Chili's, Applebee's, they're challenged right now because they had no no ability or very little ability to do the online stuff or the curbside. That wasn't their forte, and they also did not have drive-through. And oh, by the way, you were also tipping when you go eat there. We don't have that. We don't have that thing. Uh, uh, that hasn't encumbered us. And right. we believe but, it's important. Talk to me in terms of technology. When we talk about what's yeah. changing, um, yeah. I understand that you've got a variety of delivery models, but but yeah. how are we looking? Because we've got certain uh, different businesses right now, whether we're working with apps, whether yeah. they're those who remember our order, we can yeah. ask Alexa, which I got to be careful because yeah. she'll come on in my office <laughs> to reorder something else. I mean, let's put on your put on your Swami hat, yeah. put yeah. on the uh, grab the crystal ball. Yeah. What what's well, going to happen in the next couple of years that our parents, yeah. you and I, and we're we're, yeah. we're peers. I'm 57. <laughs> our parents would just be blown away. Yeah. What's going to well, happen? I think you said the magic word, loyalty app. You know, the loyalty app was something we got into before many, even many of some of the larger QSR or, or fast food people got into it. But the loyalty app is a very powerful tool because not only can you directly communicate with your users. But you can identify who is what we, what we call inside, we call the super fan or the heavy user of our brand. We really understand not only the frequency of when they come, but what do they buy? What do they eat? It gives us the ability to communicate with them literally by the day. We can decide today is boss's day. Let's have an offer and send it and push it out to all of our people that are on the loyalty app. Let's let everybody know that every boss can have a CEO burger today for a certain price. That's my favorite burger. I'd love for other CEOs and presidents to enjoy it as well. So I think the loyalty app is a, is a weapon that we are trying to push more than ever. And that's something we're getting better at. Frankly, we also offer, some people aren't familiar with the loyalty app. There's people that still call uh, call a regular phone number and we, we somehow, don't ask me the details, but somehow we get it into our system and we're able to deliver the stuff online like anybody else. So we're trying to make people not have to think about how the food gets to them, but it gets to them just in a very easy way. And, and, uh, and again, our food is so good that you know, they'll enjoy it and come back and order again. One one thing I haven't mentioned that I have to throw in in case you don't ask me about it. I used to not, uh, maybe because of my years in, in Burger King, dessert was never a big thing at Burger King. That's not, you know, you didn't go to Burger King for desserts, even though we had fried pies or whatever. I can tell you that, I can tell you that um, uh, my insights in today's consumer, the, the and I'm speak, speaking specifically the, the U.S. consumer today, U.S. consumers live large. And what I mean by that is, they want to work out in a Peloton system at home and have the best workout ever where they're looking at scenes of Italy when they're riding a bike. But, oh, by the way, the next day, they want to have the best shake they've ever had. Right. So, you know, life is a series we, we make, of ups and We downs. make bargains with ourselves, don't we? Exactly. And so there's real treats out there to be had. And I can tell you that our dessert products, one of the beauty about our, about our brand is that we offer some tremendous desserts at an, an, an amazing value price point where you can actually come and have a treat doesn't even, you don't have to eat anything else. It's such a great treat that it'll actually fill you up. So we offer everything for everybody at any time. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. So 
I had to throw that in there. But. No, you can. Hey, listen, you're a company man. That that's fine. My <laughs> my job is is to talk customer experience. Yours is to to plug for your business. That's all. It's all a good thing. We're listen. All of us are in business. I am as well. At the end of this, for those who stick around, I'll do a nice plug for my business. But everybody who's listening and watching, we look for opportunities, and this is one of those. I mean, you're four four weeks on the job, and and there's an opportunity to reach my audience and to and others who might not, especially for a, a regional chain that's largely regional. Um, what, here's what's interesting. Let me let me sort of. We got a couple of minutes left. There yeah. was, I saw a a, um, a schematic the other day for yeah. a, a QSR concept for KFC, much smaller footprint for the physical restaurant itself. Though they did have yeah. some in dining, yeah. multiple bays. It almost looked like a bank with multiple stations for yeah. curbside pickup, for app ordering, for online ordering, yeah. for delivery, and all of those different methodologies. The point where they were literally making a 20, 30 year commitment in terms of physical structure, yeah. banking on the fact that things were gonna change. In your yeah. mind, as you are now brought in, you wanna honor the past, yeah. honor a great company, right. but you, your job is to bring a new vision. Yeah. Is what's happened during COVID altered the, the long-term plans, even the short-term plans in terms of, of structure, in terms of delivery, uh, at what point upon your hiring did you say, okay, every, everything's on a pause while we reconsider? Or did you see so much of that already happening that yeah. you're pretty much on, on the road there? You know, I think that, I think you, you've asked that question in a variety of different ways. And, 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 but every time you ask it, there's a different nuance that I want to talk about. One of, the, one of the nice things about having worked at Burger King on a global level is I learned a lot that not the, the whole world doesn't look everything in the eyes of a U.S. citizen. So, right. for example, for example, I'm talking 20 years ago, uh, Burger King at that time already had, and McDonald's, by the way, already had delivery going on in Hamburg. Typically, you associate delivery with pizza and with right. uh, maybe fried chicken, but already in some competitive markets because some of the countries outside the U.S., were not as litigious. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have the issues of, I don't know, people ride motorcycles to get around. And so what I saw is that you know, our product, one of the things that we that we're we'll be looking at is is delivery. You know, delivery uh, did not exist in my previous company. It started in Latin America and was brought into the U.S. business. So I think, to me, the great companies are the ones that realize that not all great ideas are invented in the corporate headquarters. And I think, I think Burgerfy is sensitive to that. Burgerfy started. You know, it's a concept that started in 2011. And yet, as I have come to find out from meeting the team here, very supportive of the franchisees. Very, there's already a franchise advisory committee, a very, very uh, a great committee of, of franchise owners that work with us in developing suggestions, et cetera. And, and I love the fact that we actually take a lot of their ideas. I mean, one of the big challenges we have, and which I'll talk about it, that we're working on is we do a lot of handcrafted stuff. But handcrafted items like the onion rings, and many other things that we do, some special shakes that we make, uh, we got to find ways to do them efficiently because time is the most, and I think part of what you're pointing out with your question is time is the most important commodity that people want, want more time of. You know, people want more time and they need as much time as we can give them. So we got to figure out how do we keep that handcrafted feel, uh, but not take, you know, we can't take 15 minutes to get somebody their service. And the good news is, much to my surprise, we're actually able to deliver a lot of the handcrafted stuff between five to seven minutes. That's incredible for the quality that, that we're providing. And so, yeah. so I think to the point of, I think what you were talking about, the competitor you were talking about this looking at different formats, we have to do that. And we're going to be piloting not, 
by no means that I mean to say that we're only doing one drive-through. We we're we're going to test a variety of formats. We have two or three different formats. I actually have a meeting next week where we're going to begin to talk about every possible way that a consumer could get their food and how do we become the leader and provide the best service in that space. Uh, that's a real challenge for me. And that goes back to the origins of Ray Kroc, you know, quality, service, cleanliness. As basic as that sounds, I, I think to someone like myself, just because you have new technology and new consumers doesn't mean that people still don't want quality, service, and cleanliness. It's just a different format. So we can't get too lost in the technology and forget basic, great customer service. That's important to me. So you got to bring both together. I think, I'm, I think I have the experience to do that and a great team of people that can help me do that here. Well, you're hired. Uh, well, actually, you were hired a little while ago. We're talking to Julio Ramirez, the newly minted CEO of BurgerFi. Uh, a lot of buzz in the restaurant industry about BurgerFi and the Better Burger category and what they're going to do. So if you and I talk a year from now, yeah. what will have happened in the subsequent year that you're going to love to share with me? Say, so let me let me tell you what we've done. What Here's what we learned. What do you think is going to happen in the next 12 months? Well, I can tell you what will happen, God willing. I mean, we're dealing obviously with COVID that nobody knows where that's going. But in spite, I always tell people, in spite of COVID, I want the smile to be seen through the mask. I use that as an image. I want the smile to be seen. Don't use that as an excuse to have poor customer service. But what I, what you will see is a brand that has grown, that has that has is working on doubling its size by filling in the markets we have and growing, you know, market by market, a joining situation, identifying great franchise owners that want to open more restaurants as well as our own company restaurants and be a real leader and a role model for others. So that would be number one. Number two, a much better understanding of our consumer through the use of digital technology and all the formats that are able, you know, whether it be the loyalty app, whether it be the, you know, online systems that are out there. Uh, we want to be a leader. We don't want to just be a passenger in that or a follower. Uh, we don't need to be the leader in the sense of we don't need to be the one that invents the technology. But we need to be an early, as I like to say, an early adopter. We don't need to be on the bleeding technology, but an early adopter of the stuff. And third, I think we want to continue the burgification of, of BurgerFi. And by the way, we haven't even talked about international. I mean, that's, that's where I have a lot of years experience in. I'm getting calls by the day from different countries, from either former Burger King operators or people I know in the industry that are ready for the better burger. Frankly, if a market has the quick service restaurant in the country, they're ready for the next level. You, you can't really go better burger if they've never had a regular burger, but we have a great market of people that have Burger King McDonald's that are ready for the better burger out there in many countries throughout the world. And I, as I always like to say, you don't have to be in every state in the US before we think about some of the countries that are two or three hours away for us to go in. So news at 11 on that one. Awesome. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm gonna look forward to catching up in a year or so, and certainly expansion into my market here in Denver, Colorado as well. Talking to Julio Ramirez, I assume if people want to know more, they can go to burgerfi.com. That's it. Just with an F-I, we can, you can look at it as a past participle. You've been burgerfied for those <laughs> virgins who have yet to, uh, to experience that. And from an experience perspective, I think it, it's so much along the lines of where things are going. There is that hybrid model of the, the in-store and the, and the, and the delivery that, 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 that growth of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the growth of the, the fast casual segment as well. So I'm excited to see where you go. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to talk here today and we will, we will keep in touch. Hey, just a reminder for everybody as well. Let me get myself back on there, back on the gallery view. So it's me, my new customer experience book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back was named in Forbes. 
as one of their top 10 business books of the year. And one of the seven books that entrepreneurs need to read is I grab it for those who are watching. You can pick this up everywhere. And what's really cool is it's recently out in Russian. I was holding this up. Wow. I got the Russian version. <clears throat> I was saying I have no idea what this says, but I do know what it says because I wrote it. Here's the Spanish version. Por que los clientes nos dejan. In India, we were launched as well. Uh, this podcast is sponsored in part by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. Listen, some of the best ideas, some of the best solutions to your biggest customer-facing challenges are likely found within the creative minds of your own team. Julio knows that. Let me, David Avern, lead, lead your weekly morning huddle conversation. You can learn more about membership in this powerful internal engagement initiative by visiting Customer Experience Advantage. Dot com. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments below and click the little bell icon to receive notification of new episodes. And uh, I'd also love to come and present for your group, your meeting, your conference. You can learn more about my in-person speaking, my virtual live speaking by just visiting davidavern.com. Big thanks again to Julio Ramirez. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast reminding you it's not really about creating wow moments. I think business success today and tomorrow is often about being remarkably easy to do business with. I'm yeah. David Everett. Be good. Thanks. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print, as well as Kindle and audiobook, and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.